our speaker today. And uh, beginning of this year, we brought on Joey as our as our youth pastor, and we were super excited to have him. Joey, I've known Joey since he was 16 years old. He showed up at my house with a box of fried chicken for our FCA leaders meeting, and uh, we became good friends after that. <laughs> Y'all know I like the fried chicken, and so. Anyway, uh, he, he became a part of our youth group and uh, became part of our church back in Louisiana, and uh, he, he served on our youth leadership team. He also uh, attended our ministry school that we had back at our home church and has just been along for the journey and has been serving at the church back at home as a teacher, also helping coach some PE in different roles with the athletic department. Uh, but now he's moved here and he's with us, and I thought it would be an awesome opportunity for him to come and share some things that God's put on his heart in the middle of this Living Life to the Fullest series. Uh, I think he's fired up. I think he's excited, and he got some pretty swanky shoes on today. And so I want you guys to put your hands together and welcome Joey Evans. Come on, show some love. I'm okay. I'm okay. Was that planned? No, that was impromptu. Oh. I thought you would have planned that. No. Knock it out the park, man. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Love you. Wow. That's funny. What a way to start. Yes. That's, the, that's right. It's the shoes, man. Steps couldn't take the shoes. So, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to be up here. Um, Pastor Wade, can I move this up? Can I move the podium up? one hand there see that all right well uh man it's 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 great to be here with you all I'm I'm honored uh to be up here and uh this morning of course we're in the middle of the series uh the best summer ever living life to the fullest and uh, I believe that God has uh given me a word for for us today um and that word is that you can have it tell your neighbor you can have it Tell your other neighbor, you can have it. You can have it. And, you know, pa Pastor Wade, thank you so much for, for introducing me. Um, and like he said, I, I get to serve here at Emerge Church as the student pastor. And uh, I'm, I'm loving every bit of it so far. Uh, you know, in case you hadn't heard, we went to a camp a few weeks ago. Um, and it was, it was remarkable. I believe we all came back, uh, God having done something in our lives. Um, and just real quick, look, shout out to Surge students. I know you're in here. Shout out. Love you. Love you. Um, I get to serve some remarkable young people. And uh, I, I love doing it. And um, I, I just want, I, I can't go any further without honoring Pastor Wade and Pastor Cynthia. Um, the first time I met Wade was at an FCA meeting at, at, my, at my high school. And uh, I remember shaking his hand. And, you know, he was, he was sitting on a table, has cool faux hawk haircut and everything. And uh, he, uh, he brought a box of donuts. And that's where the friendship started. Okay. <laughs> So he likes to talk about the fried chicken. I remember the donuts, and from that point on, we were friends, and we, we just grew closer and closer, and I, I loved serving in his ministry. And I, Pastor Wade, I used to think you were the man, bro. Like, you, you were the man. Used to. Then, then, then you got up, and you left and moved to Tallahassee and totally proved yourself because the legacy of faith um, that that he he's that he's left uh, in Gonzales, Louisiana, here that he that he's doing in Tallahassee, 
He's put his life, his family, everything on the line for God's call. And I wouldn't want to follow any other man of faith than this guy right here. And we, we are privileged to be under his leadership and his ministry, and he is a friend to us. Let's give it up for Wade and Cynthia Moran. I want, to, I want to read to you this morning from the book of Ephesians, um, just like Pastor Wade, when he gets up here. We're going to do a little bit of reading today, uh, but Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3 through 9, you can find that verse on the screens. I'm going to read together. So it says, all of us used to live this way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus with him in the heavenly realms. I'm sorry. We are united with Christ Jesus so God can point to us. I love this line. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the wealth of his grace and his goodness and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with him in Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when, he, when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time with you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, today you would remind us that you made us and you love us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would build our faith. I thank you that you're, you're, you're bringing us to a place, God, where we can understand how your grace is operating in our lives. This morning, God, I pray that you would change mindsets. I pray, God, that you would reveal new things to us, God, that you would break strongholds, God. I pray, Lord, that we would not live according to the things that we have thought before, God. We would live by your grace and your grace alone, God. We thank you, Jesus. You have made it available to us, and it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So to recap, we, uh, we've been living life to the fullest here at Emerge Church. And the first week, Pastor Wade uh, talked about how there's room at the table. There's room at the table for all of us. And there's room in your life at God's table. Um, that a fulfilled life is one lived at his table. That we may not feel like we're living God's best, but there's room for him. And he sent out invitations for us. The, the second week, Pastor Wade talked about how God is our healer, how his role in our lives is not just the Lord. It's not just the Savior. He's our healer. He's our redeemer. He's our provider, that God is our source. And that even though we may have friends and we have family, God is the one we go to. He is our source for everything that we need. And last week, he talked about his word. We, we shared about it here. You know, that God can, when we fill our hearts with God's word, we live a fulfilled life. 
today, I believe that living our lives to the fullest means we stop struggling to earn God's favor. And we realize that he already gave it to us. We realize that he already gave it to us. So I'm still fairly, fairly new here. Um, I, I just moved here permanently about a month ago. And uh, for those of you who haven't gotten to know me, I know I haven't met everybody in, in, the, in the church. Um, just a little bit about myself uh, from Gonzales, Louisiana, like Wade said. Um, you know, Louisiana, where uh, we have more NFL athletes per capita than any other state in the country. Just saying. Okay, just saying. Small, but we're powerful back home. Um, I actually got a chance to compete among these elite athletes in high school. All right? I played, I played football at Santa Mar High School for four years. And uh, honestly, it, it was life-changing. It was life-changing. Uh, being a part of that program and, 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 and growing and getting stronger and getting faster. Um, being able to, to compete and being a part of meaningful games. I, during my time at Santa Mar High School outside of Baton Rouge, um, Santa Mar won at least a share of the district title three out of the four years I was in high school. Made the playoffs every year, outright won district a couple times. Come on, we were making things happen. We were doing some great stuff. It was incredible. I got to be a part of that. Uh, in fact, Josh Lejeune back there in the back. Give it up for Josh. Yeah, love Josh. Josh is one of my teammates. Josh was a beast. Love playing with him. He was always very challenging and, and, and aggressive. And, uh, but, you know, afterwards, he'd give you a big bear hug, um, as sweaty as he would be. And uh, during that time, I committed, my friends and I committed to do everything that we had to do, do everything we needed to do to compete, do everything we needed to do to be a part of this team, to help our team. I'm, I'm telling you, I made every workout. I was at almost every practice I can remember. I was there. I was involved. I was enthused. I love being a part of this program. And in fact, uh, I, so I played defensive tackle. Come on. Shout out to my defensive tackles and nose guards and people like that. Um, I, got to, I got to play that. And I was academic all state my senior year. Come on now. A little patch on the jacket. All right. Academic all state. Man, it just sounds good. Alliteration. It's like not just, you know, all school. It's all state. State of Louisiana. And some of you may be wondering what my stats were. It's a fair enough question. Fair enough question. As you can see, I know how to get low, all right, <laughs> and do my job. And during my time playing, playing high school football, which was remarkable, um, I, uh, I recorded a total of three tackles in my varsity career. That's right. I will not, I will not uh, elaborate on which of those were assists and which were not, but... It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, that's it. I, I really got to play in games. I didn't get to go in very much, but I did everything I was supposed to do. In fact, many times I was on the sideline, and my role was just as an encourager. Look, I was on that sideline, and just to make it clear, okay, because I got the bench warmer joke way more times than I can count. If you were not playing, you didn't sit on the bench. You were on the sidelines waiting and, and, and being supportive and waiting to go in, okay? You weren't sucking up the water in the back and flirting with the trainers. So I was on the sideline, 
And, uh, and I was just encouraging. And I, like, I don't know if you know, but I, I get pretty loud. So I'm like, ah, ah, you know, it's third down. Defense is on the field. You know, the guy who's in front of me is on the field. Then the guy who's behind him is in front of me. He's probably on the field. And the guy who's in front of me after that behind him, he's waiting to go in at some point. And I'm like, let's go. Ah, you know, and I, you know, whipping a towel, and we'd score, and I'm like, yeah, let's go, that's right, that's right. You know, they're coming off the field, I'm like hitting them on their pads, and they're thinking, oh my gosh, this dude is nuts, stop hitting me, I just got hit. And, and that, I know it's a shocker, right? Um, but that, that's what, that was my role, and, that, and I embraced it, and I, I knew whatever I could do to help my team win was what I was going to do, and I loved what I did. But when it came to getting on the field, when it came to my performance, my performance wasn't enough. I did everything. I made the practices. I made the workouts. I did what I was supposed to do. And it just didn't work out for me in the end. It didn't work out for me to be what I had envisioned. And in our relationship with God, I think a lot of times we can find ourselves saying, what if my performance isn't enough? What if my performance, what if everything I'm trying to do, everything I'm trying to do as a, as a father, as, as, a, as a mother, as a, a worker, an employer, as a friend, as a Christian, what if it's not enough? What if my performance isn't enough? You know, in football, there are rules, obviously, there are rules to the game, and I'm not going to go into all that stuff. But there's a, there, there's a playbook. There's a way you're supposed to go about your business. There's, there's things that you adhere to. And as Christians, when we think about the rules, we think about the playbook, we think about what's expected of us, many times our mind goes to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. That's the law. That's the rules. All right? That's, we know about them. Old Testament Ten Commandments, Moses came down, he, he, he showed them to the people, God gave them to Moses. And so, in case you're unfamiliar with the Ten Commandments, it's ten, obviously, ten rules that God gave to Moses for, 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 for the people. And you know, stuff like the first one, which is really important, you know, no other gods before me, worship only the Lord your God. Uh, no stealing, no killing, no coveting your, your neighbor's stuff, or your neighbor's spouse. Covet means to want. And those are things that we're expected to live up to. That's the rules. We're, we're supposed to live by these rules. You know, honor your father and mother. Come on, students. Honor your father and mother. All right? Mom and dad, I got your back. I'm with you. I got you. I got you. Okay? It's teamwork. We're going to make it work. Honor your father and mother. All these things that God laid out for us. And really, it's a set of standards. They show us where we're wrong because a lot of times we may be going through our day, going through our, our week, our month, and we see, man, I, I, I didn't live up to that today. I, I, didn't, I didn't follow that one today. I, and I'm not saying you're out there like killing people or anything. <laughs> man, this guy's just straight up accusing us this morning. But we fall short. And though we're supposed to live out our lives according to these rules set by Christianity, we, 
we feel like no matter what I do, my performance is not enough. The law is a set of standards, and they're good standards. I'm not bashing them. They're good. They're the best. They're, they're perfect. They're perfect. They are pristine, if you will. And we, we were never going to live up to them, though. We were never going to live up to every single one of them every single day. It just wasn't going to happen. What if my performance isn't enough? The problem is that these standards, they can't help us either. They're rules. They can show us how and, 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 and what we're supposed to do, but they can't help us in our brokenness. And I think a lot of times we become so well acquainted with our brokenness that we feel like giving up. There's probably people in here before you may have given up and come back. Or you know someone who's just said, I, I'm out. I can't live up to this church thing, this God thing. I can't do it. Too many rules. You'll, you'll hear people say that outside these, these building walls. People who don't come to church. Maybe it's that friend or that relative. I'm not doing That's just a bunch of rules. They just want to tell you how to live. And we get, we get stuck. Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard. What happens, and that's clear, we all fall short. None of us can live up to these rules. None of us, no matter how hard we try. Just like I, I went to every practice, I studied my plays, I did what I was supposed to do. My performance wasn't enough. Our performance isn't enough. And we begin to truck our, trick ourselves into thinking, if I follow the rules, then God will love me. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and you, you've gotten to a place where it's just routine. And it, 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 you've, you've slipped into a, a place where you're just living out the rules. You know what you're supposed to do around this set of people and what you do around this set of people. And you're living according to the law. We trick ourselves into thinking, if I follow the rules, God will love me. As long as we follow the law. And I, I'm breaking this down for you because today, you can have it. But I want to paint a picture of where many of us get stuck in our relationship with God. Where people get turned off from a relationship with God because of this mindset that it's just rules I'm, I'm living. It's not. And as long as we follow the law, we will be stuck in the same cycles of failure, guilt, and shame trying to earn God's love. You see, we're spinning our wheels of self-righteousness Going nowhere. If it's about your performance as a Christian, you're not going anywhere for God. And I'm not saying that good works aren't good. You know, the Bible says that, that faith without works is dead. But works don't earn, don't, earn, don't earn salvation. Our works don't make us right with God. And we slip and fall into that trap, that, that trap of thinking. And the whole time, God is saying, I can take you there. You're stuck. You're spinning your wheels. And God, God's just looking at you saying, I can take you there. Just let me pull you out. I got it rigged up over here. Just let me pull, pull pick up around. I'll get you out. But we don't ask. Too proud. I got this, God. I can do this. I don't, I don't need your help. I know how to do this. 
God, I've been doing this for 27 years. God's saying, I just want to pull you out. I want to pull you up. God's got somewhere for us to be. You know who else did this? The children of Israel. In the book of Exodus, it tells us how the children of Israel, they were in the desert. Of course, God did miracles and rescued them from Pharaoh. If you're unfamiliar with the story, there's a great movie about it. Charlton Heston, come on. Who loves the Ten Commandments? That was a great movie. State-of-the-art special effects from like 50 years ago. All right? That's, that, that, that one's awesome. Not that, not that, uh, not that, um, that God, Exodus, Gods, and Kings. If y'all don't know if you saw that, that was trash. Don't watch that. But Charlton Heston, that's where the, I'm just saying. Uh, Charlton Heston movie, it was awesome. When we saw the people of Israel, God sent plagues on Egypt. Come on now. Come on. God's like, we're getting you out. They got, he brought them out. He split the sea. They walked through it. And he's bringing them somewhere. And they get to the place where they're supposed to, they're supposed to receive the promised land, but they don't believe. The ten spies come back, and, and most of them say, we, we, can't, we can't do this. We can't, we can't live in this promised land. There's giants there. Even though God said, I'm bringing you here. We're going there. You're coming, you're, you're coming with me. They didn't believe. Instead of believing the promise and receiving the grace, they walked in circles for 40 years instead of fulfilling God's plan. They walked in circles for 40 years. Just like we spin our tires, just like we get stuck trying to earn God's love, trying to live out his plan for our lives on our own, apart from him, apart from his help, apart from his favor. They were stuck. And God said, I I can't take this group of people in there. They just won't believe. God wanted to, but he couldn't. You see, grace is freedom from that cycle. Grace is freedom from that cycle. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God, keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. If you're trying to earn God's favor by yourself, you're cutting yourself off from the source. You're cutting yourself off from his grace. You're cutting yourself off from what God can do to help you. And you've fallen away from his favor. You see, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll become legalistic and label it as pursuing excellence. If we're not careful, we're going we're gonna to get, get stuck trying to gloss over it with some, with some quality of life that we think we can achieve on our own. Meanwhile, God is the quality of life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And you're cutting yourself off thinking you can do it on your own. And look, I know this is America, and there's nobody like us. Come on. And we, we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps, and we said, British, go home. And we're doing it ourselves, and we're amazing. Come on. I get fired up, man. I love history. But God's plan for our lives is to do the revolution inside of us. Come on. 
And this is what can happen if we keep going that path, down, down that path. And I'll tell you this, the enemy is fine with you trying to live by the law because it will keep you at arm's length from grace. The enemy is okay if you think you can do it without God's help. And if you don't think he'll do it, he used scripture to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. He'll do whatever he got, whatever he has to, to keep you from the grace of God, which will radically transform your relationship with him. You can have it, though. You can have it. You can have it, Mr. Robin. You see, the law doesn't help you get right. It only shows you how you're wrong. Living by the law, it doesn't help you get right with God. It just shows you where you're wrong, where you fall short. Grace forgives the worst in me and brings out the best in me. Grace forgives the worst in me and brings out the best in me. Those things we're ashamed to talk about in small group, those things that we haven't even told our spouse about, those things that we're scared our kids are going to ask about, God forgave him. Grace covered him. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. Jesus is no stranger to shame. He wore it for you. Grace will cover the worst of it. Grace helps me get right with God and live right for him. You see, grace is why Jesus went to the cross. Not just to fulfill some doctrinal transaction. Well, he's our substitute so we can be made right with God. We can avoid the fires of hell and go to heaven with him. It was for grace because this life gets messy. And Jesus is not afraid of the mess. He's there with us. He became the mess so that he wouldn't be scared of your mess. Come on. Grace, you can have it today. Your performance doesn't have to be enough. And grace, I'll say this, <laughs> critics, critics will say, well, it's just a get out of jail free card. It's grace. I've heard of this before. Just a get out of jail free, grace, do whatever you want. Hey, newsflash, we were all in prison anyway. We were stuck there anyway. We needed to get out of jail. We needed to be lifted up out of our sins. We didn't do it on our own. You never earned it on your own. You didn't start like that. You're not going to finish like that. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I just like doing like the country voice. It's fun. I'm not trying to pick on you, my friends who, you know, are from the panhandle and everything. I love y'all. I love y'all. What if my performance isn't enough? Grace isn't grease. And that's the bad reputation it's gotten. Grace isn't grease. And I know I'm confronting some religious thinking this morning. I'm okay with that because I grew up in a religious mindset. I grew up in a religious home of you do this, you get right. You go to this, you get right. And look, when Jesus came on the scene and grace came on the scene, I said bye-bye to all that thinking and I got right with God. I'm not scared to talk about this. Grace isn't grease. Sinners aren't trying to WD-40 their way into heaven, okay? We're not just barely getting in. We're all sinners, and we need his grace. You see, the law is based on performance. But grace is based on a person. 
the law is based on performance. So that's why when we ask ourselves, what if my performance isn't enough? It's not. It will never be. But the good news is that Jesus Christ is more than enough. He is more than enough. We sang that song this morning. We sang that song, how Jesus is more than enough for us. He meets us right where we are. You don't have to be enough because you, you've fallen short. And though we're living out our lives for Christ, we're always going to fall short. It just comes back to Jesus every time. When we fall short again, we bring it back to Jesus. We go to him who is always there for us. The Bible says that he is in heaven pleading for us at the right hand of the Father. That's what he does. It's who he is. I want to give you three points about grace today. Three points. If you're taking notes in the worship guide, number one. Grace is personal. Grace is personal. It's not an idea. It's personal because grace, Jesus is grace. Jesus is grace. Honestly, I think that's why it's so scandalous. Jesus wasn't some rule following, you know, goody two shoes, going around with a dainty voice. Look, I know like you've seen the paintings and like he's, his robe is all flowy and stuff. Come on, man. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Painting on the Sistine Chapel. Thank you. Great job, Michelangelo. But Jesus was a man. And he wasn't afraid of messes. And he wasn't afraid to hang out with people who needed his grace. Jesus was a scandalous figure. The Bible says that the religious people of the day despised him. Because he hung out with notorious sinners. Look at that. God hangs out with sinners. That's where the sin is. God is not scared of our sin. He confronted it for us. Come on. It, 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 it gets, I know, flipped. You might, you might be getting a little, uh, grip, gripping your chair a little tight here this morning. But Jesus is scandalous. Come on, he is grace. John chapter 1, verse 17, King James Version. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus came on the scene. And the law was fulfilled in who he is. And what he did. He didn't come and throw it away and say, oh, we don't need these standards anymore. Oh, this is, ah, we don't need that. No, he fulfilled it. He lived a perfect life. And then died for us. Jesus fulfilled the law. You see, all that stuff, that all the, those ten commandments, those laws that point to how our performance isn't enough. It's to get us to a place where we realize our need for God, like it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, we realize our need for him, so we'll put our faith in the, in the person who can get us over the hump, who gets us past not being able to perform, who gets us to a relationship with the Father. Jesus is grace. The law points to our need for Jesus, our need for grace. It just points it out. John chapter 5, verses 39 through 40 Jesus said this, he said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. 
He was talking about people who looked through the law and the prophets, thinking they were going to find life in, the, in these words that God spoke and these laws that God gave. All the time, God's giving these words and these laws. They're pointing to his son. Jesus said it about himself. He's like, it's pointing to me. It's about me. Jesus didn't throw away the law. He fulfilled it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. To show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Before time began, God knew you'd need his grace. Jesus is grace. Grace came down. Grace split time. Come on, B.C.A.D., he's the man who split it. He's the creator. In Colossians, it details he is the fullness of God. He is God made flesh. Come on, man. Look, I love watching all these superhero movies and everything. I grew up on that stuff. These guys are wielding all this power and everything. Jesus is all that and more, but he's not fiction. He's truth made flesh. And he came down for you. And he's not scared. He doesn't care if people say bad things about him. He's God. Who cares? Let the haters talk. They're going to talk anyway. Shout out to Surge students. Come on. Love y'all. Let them talk. He is grace. Grace is personal. He's personal. And he came for you. Grace is powerful. Leads us to right living. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 13 says this, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our God, the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will, will be revealed. God gives us the ability to live Right, through grace, we can achieve right, right living. By his grace, we depend on it. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, we can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not on our own human wisdom. This is how we have conducted ourselves before the world and especially towards you. The Apostle Paul is saying we depend on Jesus. We depend on grace. We can live right because we're depending on him. And when it doesn't go right, when we don't, go, when we don't do right, we go back to him because he'll get us right. He'll get us back on the right track, if you will. We can do it if we just depend on his grace and we realize it's not about me. I can't do it, but it's about him. It's about he'll get me there. I just got to stick with Jesus. That's why it says he's a friend of sinners. That's why, he's, that's why the Bible says the Holy Spirit is with us at all times. We can depend on him. We can pray to him that he, that he wants to be with us. He's by our sides at every step because we're going to need him. We depend on him. Come on. Jesus, he's more than just that one phone call, you know, when you make that trip. Come on. He's right there with you all the time. The third point is that grace is practical. 
Grace is practical because we receive grace. We can receive grace. I want to get, uh, get my friend Cody Abernathy up here. Come on. We're going to come down here on this floor. Dress shoes, that hurt a little bit. And we, we, I just want to demonstrate to you how we receive grace. Now, Cody here, third student. Come on. Love this guy. He, he went to camp with us. Cody is also sophomore QB at Childs High School. Shout out Childs High Football. What? And in the game of football, like I started with, you know, which I wasn't great at, but it's okay. Um, you, one of the aspects of the game to move downfield, to get to the goal so that you can win, is the quarterback can throw this ball to a receiver, a wide receiver or a slot receiver, all my Edelman fans out there, and you can catch that ball and keep going. And so Cody here is going to toss me a nice pass, not going to break any knuckles today. I want to demonstrate to this. So I'm receiving this grace. Tuck the ball. Don't forget to tuck the ball. Okay, so do it one more time. I'm going to come over here. Look, I want to do a little, little pretend. I've seen these guys do this. I never actually did this, but uh, give me a little, little on two, on two, okay? Yeah. Thank you, Cody. Great job. Great job. Appreciate it. Give it up for Cody Abernathy. Now, I love sports. I love football. And I think it gives us this great opportunity to see a demonstration of how God's grace can work in our lives. You need to hydrate when you play. <laughs> you see, God is, the, God is the source. That ball was coming from Cody. And me as a Christian, when I receive God's grace, there is a motivation to move forward the problem with grace no sorry correct that the bad opinion about grace is that well if you just if it's all about grace then you're just gonna live however you want it's false because if you really receive grace from God and you know you're part of a team and you've got a relationship with God and you know there's a goal that's trying to be trying to be achieved here and you've got a life that you want to live for God, though you may mess up, hey, you might get tackled. It's okay. We're still going this way. And when you receive that grace, you're not turning back this way. You're locked in. You know what you're supposed to do. Why go back to where you came? Because you receive the grace and you take off and you go towards the end zone and you're taking it to the house because that's where God is that's where the victory is it's this way and we all want the victory we want the victory and it's that way it's forward it's not backwards a receiver is not going to catch the ball and begin to skitter scatter all about and go back to the line of scrimmage that's not how it works that's not how any of this works shout out to that Geico commercial with that old lady and I love that commercial. <laughs> but we receive God's grace, receive the gift, and we take it forward. 
we take it with us going forward because there's people depending on what we do with God's call on our lives. And just because you're not in full-time ministry doesn't mean there's not a call on your life. We're all called to do something for God. And God has grace for you to accomplish that. Grace is practical if we receive it. You see in James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, but he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. Now, many of us have heard that verse before, but in connection with grace, this is how I want to make it personal, how I want to make it practical. Humility, God, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You, humility is not about your performance. Humility is not about thinking less of yourself, but it's about thinking of yourself less. And so when you've got your, when you've got your family on the mind, when you've got the call of God on the mind, when you've got Jesus and the Holy Spirit with you, and you're locked in, and they're in your, they're in your heart, they're in your mind, and you're trying to achieve something for God, you don't want to let your team down. You're living this life for them because it ain't about you. You've got them. You're on a team. You're humble, and God will give you the grace to achieve what you've got to do because you're part of that team. You want to get the victory. Your team scores. When you win personally, that's cool, you can clap. You, when you win personally, you not only win for yourself, you win for your family. You win for your future. Come on. Grace can change your future. You receive that grace and God convicts you of righteousness. That even though, look. You may fall down. You may stumble. God is saying, hey, I got you. I'm here for you. Pull you back up. Get back in the game. Get back out there because you're doing a great job. And that's what God wants to say to you this morning. You may not feel like your performance measures up, but when you receive his grace, it's more than enough. You're living for him, and your goal, your victory is for him, with him in mind. And the people around you are depending on you. They're depending on you to receive his grace. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. I, back home, I would tell my, my students... God loves you more than your mom and your daddy. They may not understand what that means, but he does. And for us, God loves us more than anybody else. More than your husband, more than your wife, more than your parents. More than your kids. God loves you. And God wants you to live out your life for him. God wants you to win. He wants you to receive his grace. He's here for us. He was there in the beginning, like it said in 1 Timothy. I'm sorry, in 2 Timothy. He had plans before the beginning of time for us, for you. And he's given us grace. And this morning, you can have it. You can have it. Let's, let's bow our heads, close our eyes.
without disrupting anyone around you, I just want us to have a personal moment with God because grace is personal. And if you're in here this morning and you haven't had the opportunity to follow Jesus, maybe you followed him before and you fell away, things didn't go the way you expected, maybe you relied on your own performance and you need to get right with God again, you want to follow Jesus today. I want to pray with you. We're not going to embarrass you. Every head, every head low, all the eyes are closed. If that's you and you want to get right with God again, you want to follow Jesus, please raise your hand. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see, I see that hand. Thank you. I want to lead you all in a prayer this morning. You can look up. And I would like for for those of us, maybe you didn't raise your hand, let's agree together in prayer. And I'll, I'll lead us. Just repeat after me. And if you raise your hand, say these words and mean them with your heart because God is here. And he's got grace for you this morning. Just repeat after me. Say, thank you. God for sending your son Jesus he took the punishment for my sins he forgave me he can give me a new heart today I confess my sins to you Jesus give me a new start from this day forward I want to follow you In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on.